You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. What's going on, Nate? Not too much. How are you doing today, John? Welcome back from vacation. And to you, I should say, seeing as how I didn't see you when you got back from your vacation. We're able to pull it off this August. You know, and the Yanks did pretty well, I must say, while we were away. So that was, uh, you know, while I was down in North Carolina, I kept kind of checking in and yep they won again yep they won again just kept on going same for me in vermont although apparently uh once i got back from vermont kind of the roller coaster uh ride that has been the 2021 season which is what you may be feeling in your stomach right now seems to have uh, gone the other direction a little bit but of course by the time you're listening to this as always who knows what's going on the fact is the yankees are just in a, such a different place than they were a couple months ago as we head into what is now September. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, kind of incredibly through through all that, you know, winning and that super hot streak, they really didn't gain any ground on the Rays. I mean, those guys have just been playing lights out as well. So plenty of big games down the stretch here. I'm um, looking forward to the homestand coming here with my family this weekend and some friends. So uh, should be a good time. And hopefully we'll, you know, keep up our winning ways. We've got a lot of opportunities here ahead of us playing against uh, division opponents and such. So looking forward to it. For sure. So on this episode, we're going to straddle the August and September magazines. The September magazine goes on sale this Friday. We're going to discuss, Nate, your story on Jordan Montgomery from August. And then we are going to talk about the new acquisitions that came to town for a piece I wrote in the September issue. But first, Nate, I mean, you talked a little bit about this win streak, and you also talked about the other side of it, which is, you know, the Rays kind of taking care of business on their own. But I think regardless of what's been happening in Tampa, the fact is, if you look at where the Yankees have positioned themselves in terms of the playoff race now, obviously, do the Yankees want to be the division champion and not have to deal with the wildcard game? Of course, but it was not that long ago that the Yankees, even despite playing better baseball for a long time, it was not that long ago you felt they were fighting for a wild card spot, and you simply don't feel that way right now. No. I mean, look, I mean, things can still change, as we've seen sure. in, in previous seasons. Um, so I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But yeah, I mean, we seem to be, you know, in a really good spot right now and playing good baseball. And, uh, you know, as has been the case throughout most of the season, you know, the starting pitching has had a lot to do with that. And so uh, when we sat down to talk about our August issue and and who to kind of spotlight there. You know, I just kind of looking at the roster and looking at what Jordan Montgomery has has given this team this year. Um, I felt you know it's a good time to dig into to Jordan and and see what can be said about him that we haven't said already in Yankees magazine. I really love this piece. It's in the August issue. It's called Humble and Hungry. It is such a nice look, and I really mean that word carefully, nice look at Jordan Montgomery. And I loved the way it talks about his upbringing, his youth baseball league, all these things, because what you see is, on the one hand, Jordan is kind of quiet in some ways, and he 
not the most demonstrative. He doesn't seem like outwardly he has the most personality. But it's not for nothing that if you look through the last couple of years of this team and you talk to some of the bigger personalities on this team, guys, I'm talking about like Aaron Judge. I'm talking about CeCe Sabathia for sure. I'm talking about even lately you hear Garrett Cole. Their best friend, the guy that they always say that like the, the guy they like talking to the most, the guy you always see them next to was Jordan Montgomery. And, and, and I don't think that's an accident. No. And, uh, you know, I think his his upbringing ha- had a lot to do with that. You know, he comes from a town called Sumter. It's in the middle of South Carolina. Some Yankee fans might might recognize that name because it's where Bobby Richardson is from, a uh, longtime Yankee second baseman who was part of those World Series teams back in the 60s. And I wanted to learn more about, you know, his roots and where he came from. And, and I came to kind of realize that, you know, they do, in fact, have a lot to do with uh, the way he carries himself, uh, the seriousness w- uh, that he brings to baseball. And um, I, I really liked just Jordan's kind of outlook, too. I mean, it's, you know, sure, I, I agree. You know, he is not a very demonstrative guy most of the time. He's he's kind of soft-spoken, but he really has a... a confidence in himself and a a level of expectation for himself that I hadn't necessarily ever heard him articulate uh, until we spoke for this article. And I think that is something that does come through, though, if you watch him pitch. I mean, the fact is, we watched him earlier this season, as you mentioned in the story. We watched him pitch through a situation where he was pitching very well, but what was it? I think five straight starts with zero run support. And I mean, yeah, you, you laugh because it's crazy and it's silly and it's especially crazy and silly now that the team is hitting to think about something like that. But I'm not even exaggerating when I say this, that could break some guys. I mean, that, that could literally just send you into some sort of tailspin where it can mess up the clubhouse a little bit. It, it can do some things and you never saw any outward reaction from Montgomery. And based on how he looked in between starts, it didn't seem like there was any inward reaction either. It was just... I know what my job is. The rest of it's going to take care of itself eventually. I can only control my job. And I think that that is part of his character that you see in everything he does on the mound and everything he does that from what we get to see now, the little we get to see now of preparation and in the clubhouse, but what we used to see a lot more of. Yeah. In, in fact, he was uh, even more supportive, I felt like, of his offense when they weren't uh, providing him the run support. He said, you know, these guys, whether they're putting up a ton of runs or not, I'm always going to have their backs. And it was reminiscent of... Uh, you know, what CeCe used to say, you know, when he, uh, people would ask him about, you know, showing up defenders or anything like that. He's like, I would never do that because, you know, these guys don't get mad at me when I give up 500 foot home runs. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, turn my back on them when things aren't going well there. So, you know, I, I do admire the way he carries himself. And uh, another thing that I've always admired about Jordan Montgomery is that he's very resilient, you know, whether it's within a game and he has a, a rough inning or a rough couple batters or even throughout the course of a season if he has you know a rough outing he very rarely goes into you know bad stretches for lengths of time um, he always seems to to work his way out of them rather quickly um, so that was another topic that I was eager to delve into with him and I, and I thought he had some really kind of you know interesting things to say I mean after our conversation uh, for, for this article I felt like I had a better understanding of just the type of competitor that Jordan Montgomery is. I really hate losing. I expect a lot of myself. I've kind of had success at every level, everywhere I've been. I've I've won in the big situations, and I've always been the pitcher that kind of needed to be out there. So that's what I expect out of myself. I always want it, and 
you just got to put yourself in the position in the big leagues to be that guy. And every year I'm trying to uh, be more and more that for the Yankees. You know, that also led me down, you know, the rabbit hole of like looking at the way he ends his seasons, um, you know, going all the way back to youth baseball. You know, he's a guy who prides himself on being the type of starting pitcher who who a manager can count on in a big spot. And he's, you know, earned those opportunities throughout his career at each kind of level along the way. And more times than not, almost every time, uh, he's really delivered for his team. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, our readers come away from this story kind of understanding where Jordan comes from and just, you know, how seriously he takes his craft and, and how badly he wants to be great. You mentioned looking back at his youth baseball days and everything like that. You put together a real puzzle here, I thought, of a lot of great, somewhat outside the box sources for this story. Obviously, you know, you certainly spoke to Jordan and you spoke to, you got quotes from teammates and things like that. But I mean, there's so much going back to his past. How did you kind of craft like your reporting process? It all started with with Jordan himself. And, you know, I had done a lot of research before our conversation. And then in talking to him, I didn't really realize how much of an influence or how important his American Legion team was to his, uh, you know, development as a baseball player. In Sumter, the American Legion team is known as the P-15s. It's post-15. It's the second oldest American Legion team in the country, and they have a really storied history. They've won something like 15 state championships. And when Jordan Jordan played for that team for, uh, I think, four or five years, and when he was there, uh, he played for a guy by the name of Dr. Wally Jones. He was a dentist uh, who coached the P-15s for about 25 years, uh, and he, he finally stepped down, I think, right after Jordan left. And so that experience really prepared Jordan well and, and gave him a lot of lessons, not just baseball lessons, but life lessons that he's kind of carried with him and, and still show up on the mound today. So, you know, when he, he talked about that experience, I said, boy, I really got to track down this coach that, that he you know spoke so highly of. Um, and I was able to do that. Uh, Dr. Jones was absolutely fantastic to talk to. Um, I, I got to thank the uh, the newspaper down there, the Sumter Item. They provided us uh, with photos of Jordan from his P-15s days and uh, as well as put me in touch with Dr. Jones. So that was really cool. And then we got into um, Jordan's time at the University of South Carolina. And again, just a really important stepping stone in his development as a pitcher. You know, he came in to a school that was had just won back-to-back national championships and had the top recruiting class in the country coming in. And he was part of that class, but he called himself probably the least hyped up recruit in that class. But, you know, it didn't take him long to really establish himself as a really important piece on that team. And uh, one of the other guys in that class, Grayson Griner, is a catcher for the Tigers. They were really close. You know, Grayson caught most of Jordan's games in college. So I was eager to speak to him as well to provide more insight into, you know, what Jordan was like back then, uh, what they saw in him. And, you know, they all said, you know, just not only what a competitor he is and how great he he was on the mound, but, you know, just what a special guy he is off the field as well. You know, just a good guy, a good friend. Um, And so as a result, you know, all these former teammates, former coaches, his hometown, uh, he's Jordan has so many people pulling for him every time he puts on a Yankees uniform. Um, Whenever you see somebody, you just feel like, 
man, I was maybe a little step on his ladder going up, and and he, he's made us all proud, and um, he's such a good kid, and, and you just hope the best for people like that. Matter of fact, I go to uh, breakfast with Bobby Riches. I, I guess you know that name. But we eat breakfast every Friday, and so it's a recap of all the Yankee stuff every every Friday morning. And, uh, they, all right, how's Jordan? When's Jordan pitching? And that kind of thing. So everybody in town uh, is just tuning in because, you know, that's our boy. And, and the fact that he's a good kid, now if he was a jerk, you know, <laughs> I don't know that people would really care too much, but. Being such a, a, a good man, we were, everybody's saying, you know, good things don't always happen to good people, but it did in this case. It's funny going back to the comment he made that I wanted to touch on also, but he said he was the least hyped up recruit. And it's, I mean, I don't want to put my thumb on the scale too much here, but it, it what strikes me is how little that's changed. I mean, if you think about the Yankees rotation, such as it is, because names keep kind of coming and going this year a little bit, but... Obviously, Garrett Cole speaks for himself. Jamison Tyone is a great story right now who is having an incredible bounce back from brutal injuries and certainly is in the consideration for a comeback player of the year or something like that. Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter this year. He's just coming back now. Obviously, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but fans can certainly look forward to maybe seeing Luis Severino. Luis Heal has been a revelation. He's probably not going to start for a while, but I mean... That's still been fun. Nestor Cortez is hilarious. Every single pitch he throws is different. I I could just go down the list. And then there's Jordan Montgomery. I don't think, and I don't mean this is a knock. It's going to sound like it. It really doesn't. I don't think there are people who look in the newspaper on any given day or look on their phone and say, Jordan Montgomery's pitching today. How about we go to the Yankees game to see this? And yet, there's just that consistency. And there's just that level of getting the job done. And you almost lose sight of the fact that I just, you know, dropped in there a little bit of Jameson Tyone coming back from all this. Well, Jordan Montgomery's come back from all that, too. And he had to do it last year in that bizarre year. He fought his way through kind of with no help from the crowd, no help from his environment. He just kind of was able to just, again, go inwardly into himself and just kind of do the job and get it done. And you struggle to avoid too much metaphor and too much, you know, poetic language or whatever with him because he's a little bit milk toast in a way but at the same time i mean that's just what's worked for him and what i think is funny about that is he's not like some 5'11 you know you (laughs) blink and you miss him kind of guy he's huge and he's he's like this commanding presence if you look at him and yet he just manages to fly so far below the radar that you miss what he's accomplishing I think at least. I don't know. Yeah, no, he's definitely, you know, he's he's been overshadowed plenty of times in his career, uh, despite being a big strapping 6'4 lefty or whatever he is. But, I mean, and I'll cut you off there. It doesn't help or doesn't hurt, whatever you want to say, that he's throwing 92, 93. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, again, it's just part of it, too. It's not, you know, this isn't a guy who stands up there towering over you on the mound and then knocks you back with 100 on the inside corner. It's more like, you know, 92 kind of in the middle. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's, you know, he, he relies on his command. He's got a, a very, you know, a big arsenal of five pitches, I think. But that's that's the humble part of it. And the hungry part of it is that, uh, you know, he's not satisfied being just a, you know, he doesn't want to be a number five starter in the major leagues. He has much bigger plans for himself. I just want to be a, a top of the rotation arm for the Yankees. Um, you, you see DeGrom and how his career kind of went up i'm not saying i'm ever going to be degrom but it took him five years to get comfortable in the league i feel like um and like get to where he's been the last two two three years um so that kind of gives me hope that it's not like a 
you're in the league. This is how you're going to be the rest of your career. So uh, I'm just going to keep working and try and be the, the best pitcher I can for these guys. Well, look, I, a baseball team, it's wonderful to have an ace like Garrett Cole. And the Yankees have gotten everything they could have hoped for in the last years from Garrett Cole. But obviously, Garrett Cole pitches one out of every five games. A baseball team needs a lot more than that to succeed. You mentioned how even though, yes, the offense has been a lot better in the last month or two, it's still the starting pitching that's still driving the bus here. And man, Jordan Montgomery's been such a big part of it. Nate, I love the story. I think you did a fantastic job with it. And I, I really do think, I mean, I, I think you nailed it in terms of just this guy being someone who he's not going to blow you away and he's not going to be on the back page of the post or the Daily News too often. But if the Yankees are going to win a World Series, if the Yankees are going to do this stuff, it's going to be because of what he does in October in a lot of ways. And, you know, whether he's a number two pitcher, whether he's a number three pitcher, whether he's a number five pitcher, I mean, not a number five pitcher, but you know what I mean? Those postseason games count too, and you need to win those. You can't just have win with your ace on the mound. No, they, they sure do. And I'm, I'm really eager to see him uh, the next time he gets that opportunity. Because, I mean, literally, I mean, almost every year that he's pitched and, and been healthy, his last start or starts of the year have been dynamite. And, uh, you know, people kind of forget uh, last year, the ALDS against Tampa, the Yanks had their backs against the wall there, you know, game four, Jordan Montgomery kind of quietly just goes out there and gives them, you know, it was only four innings, which he would have liked to have gone further, but Yanks ended up winning that game and forcing a, you know, game five. So uh, I'm very eager to see him out there in, in those big situations again. And uh I have, you know, a lot of confidence in him that he'll get the job done again. Well, like I said, it's a great story. Humble and hungry. We are going to take a quick break right now. We'll come back and turn the page to September and look at some of the new guys who are thrilling, if you will, fans as the Yankees have been on this hot streak. So stick with us. Hi, this is Jordan Montgomery. You're listening to Yankees Magazine Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. It is, as I said, now September, so we might as well start discussing our September issue. It's on sale on Friday. The cover features none other than Derek Jeter, who will be entering Cooperstown a week from now, which is pretty exciting. But the story that I think we should move on to is it's one of those, of course, weird situations where, you know, the trade deadline happens at the end of July, which means we can't get most of that stuff into the August magazine. So now we're talking about guys in our September magazine. It feels like they've been here forever. They haven't, but there's no question that when Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, and of course, you know, to some extent also Clay Holmes, Andrew Heaney, and Joel Rodriguez, yes, Aaron Boone constantly makes the point, and he's right, that the team had been playing good baseball for a while before they came, but it's understandable that in a lot of fans' minds, that's the moment that they really started noticing that the Yankees had turned the page, I think, and we have a story in our September issue about them called New Kids on the Block. John, you handled this one really well because, you know, like you said, it's it's tricky when you're doing a monthly magazine and, you know, the, the August one is has already gone to press and then we, you know, bring in a, a whole bunch of new guys, impact guys. In writing about it for our September magazine, I thought you did a really good job of taking a step back and not just introducing these guys and talking about what they've done in the past, but looking at, you know, what the impact 
on the Yankees of 2021 is going to be moving forward, having brought in guys like particularly Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. It was just such a, a shot in the arm to the the whole organization and the whole fan base. Uh, when these guys came aboard, it was like, okay, you know, we're going for this. We're not just going to stand pat and, and, you know, see what happens. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was pretty much the angle that that stuck out to me. Did you know, you know, going into it that that was kind of how you wanted to approach this piece? I had a hunch that that was how I wanted to end it. And it, and it helped that everyone I spoke to, I think in the end, con- from a construction perspective, I had a ton of stuff from their team, their new teammates, from coaches and things like that. But really, most of the quotes I used in the story, as much as possible, were were Joey talking about Anthony and Anthony talking about Joey. And that was intentional there. I kind of liked the idea of having them describe their new setting. But one thing I got from a lot of people, really almost everybody, was this sense in the clubhouse that, you know, there's some stuff that happens that's talk radio fodder or internet Twitter fodder or whatever. And there's some stuff that's real. And I wasn't sure if this idea of the team going for it by... You know, making those additions was something that is real. And the impression I got from everybody I spoke to, no exaggeration, was like, yes, that is something you need to see that. And what I think is interesting about that is I think when the story of the season is told probably down the road, again, maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself here, but I think the Yankees are going to make the playoffs at this point. I'm not sure what I would have said a few months ago. I think the Yankees are certainly good enough to win that one game playoff with Garrett Cole in the mound even if it's against Chris Sale. I think the Yankees are good enough to beat anybody right now. We've seen over the last few weeks they've been beating good teams. I have a hunch that later down the road when the story of this season is recalled, you won't remember how close the Yankees were to packing it in kind of in July. And I think part of that is because there's still this assumption that the Yankees can't do that, despite the fact that we did watch the Yankees do that in 2016. The Yankees sold in 2016. The Yankees reloaded in 2016. And I think people forget that sometimes. And there's no question that in this case, the Yankees didn't have the assets to sell off in the same way they did in 2016. It was probably going to be a matter of standing pat or adding. But they added. They went for it. And they were aggressive. They, in a lot of ways, started the market. They went a little bit early on Gallo, which I think was important. They were able to do that before anyone was able to really bid them up too much. They didn't give away any of their top five prospects. And I think that it was just an incredible moment for a lot of these players in this team saying, look, we've given you everything we can. Now go win this. And I think they responded to it. And just one more thing I'll say about that, because I did include this in the story. Gallo was telling me that he's been on the other side of that. And he knows what it's like when you see your veterans leave to go somewhere where they can win and what that does to you. And that that's not something that washes off after a game or two. That's something that stays with you. And that's something that can kind of poison your clubhouse in some ways, this knowledge that, you know, we're just going to ripen you and grow you and, you know, polish you off and then send you somewhere where you can, you know, live a nice, better life. And to experience that coming in, even after he came here for then Anthony Rizzo to come, he said, you know, it's just like, it, it, it really hits you. Like, you know, this is a team going for it. As soon as like we walked into this clubhouse, I'm not to say that it was on us, but like it felt like great energy, you know. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Everybody's like upbeat and everything. But I remember hearing a guy say like it made them feel really good and like energized that at the deadline they went for it and like believed in them instead of getting rid of guys. You know, when you get rid of guys tough feeling and been a part of that. When you add guys, it's a great feeling. We're like, okay, like they believe in us. And I know guys felt like that when they when we added guys at the deadline. They were like, oh wow, like it's fun off to believe in us. Like, and it, and it gives you a little boost for sure. So it's exciting that we could be a part of it. 
it certainly hit me when you know the news came across my phone or whatever that Anthony Rizzo was now a Yankee. I mean, I was just kind of floored by that. So used to seeing him in that Cubs uniform for so long. But I mean, just a guy that I've admired so greatly from afar. I could not have been more pleased to realize that he was coming here. You know, you mentioned the feeling in the clubhouse, and and I think you accurately do kind of take the temperature of, of what these moves mean. But that being said, we are not allowed in the clubhouse. So <laughs> while we've you've, uh, you know, certainly done your fair share of Zoom interviews and you've been, uh, you know, very active in that regard over the last year plus, this story took some additional reporting that kind of came together uh, a little differently than some of the more recent stories we've been doing, right? It did. All the interviews for this story were my first in-person interviews since spring training, early spring training of 2020. Um, I mean, that's year and a half. It it's was pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, sitting there in the dugout with Anthony Rizzo, sitting there in the dugout with Joey Gallo, chatting with, I think, Rugnet Odor and a bunch of these other guys, just Carlos Mendoza, Marcus Timms, chatting about baseball and, and not having the entire Yankees beat there with me as I was doing it. And it, it, was, it was just back. It, it felt very novel in some ways. It also felt very normal in other ways. But I think there's no doubt that, no question in my mind, I, whether you love the story or whether you think the story's fine or whatever, there, the personality that I think comes across from Joey Gallo in terms of his kind of the wit in his uh, quotes and the fun. The wit in his quotes that you were able to print, at least. Yeah, well, yeah, that, <laughs> <laughs> that was a challenge. Um, but then you get this, the much more stoic and staid and you know reserved in some ways Anthony Rizzo giving that perspective in the same way. I think I would have tried and I hope I would have been able to convey that if I was working on a Zoom interview with these guys or a phone interview. But of course, I'm listening to what these guys are saying when I'm interviewing them. And of course, I'm thinking of follow-up questions and trying to have a normal conversation. But the other thing I'm doing is just finally getting able to just like look at them and kind of do what I think is my job, which is not just to say what they said, but also to describe who they are. And look, we're... <laughs> We're not first responders, you know, whatever. We're fine. But it has been incredibly hard to do that over Zoom, to really tell why these guys are saying what they're saying and what these guys are thinking but not saying. And do I know everything Joey Gallo was thinking when he was talking to me? No. But looking into his eyes and seeing his body language, am I, do I have an easier time telling what is authentic and who he really is than I would through a computer screen? Absolutely. And that was incredibly fun. So how would you kind of describe them in, in terms of, you know, their excitement or, or whatever, how, you know, I don't know what word you would describe, you would use to describe it, but, you know, just their feelings about becoming Yankees because you spoke to them just, I mean, very shortly after they came over, right? For sure. Anthony Rizzo, who I spoke to first, he was very excited to be a Yankee. You know, both these guys goes back there, you know, grew up Yankees fans and all these things, and they have history with the Yankees as kids. But at the same time, Anthony Rizzo won a World Series in Chicago and wasn't just a very good player in Chicago. He was truly one of the most beloved players in Chicago in a very long time. I mean, with the Cubs, obviously it's essentially like Ernie Banks and then, you know, miles down to get to another level of beloved down there. But I do believe that Anthony Rizzo is in that top tier in a sense of just the way he was loved by Cubs fans and the way he really put himself out there as a part of the Chicago community in a sense. And it was hard for him. You saw him not in the interview I did, but you saw him on the field at Wrigley Field after he figured, found out he was traded and you could see the emotion so and, and that carried over. He was very excited. You know, he, he told me about his aunts who would, you know, play cards and watch Cubs games 
but he knew there were Yankees fans were there rooting for him, and he was saying to me how cool it is that now they can watch Yankees games and enjoy that. And I mean, there was no doubt he was excited, and he's charming. I mean, he, he's a very warm person. It's two sides, right? The, the Chicago side and then the New York side. So the Chicago side, all the memories and all the relationships I've built in the clubhouse, my teammates, uh, what we did there, and then when you flip it to New York, just a great opportunity to come and help this team and, and be part of this franchise and, and learn everything what New York has to offer. But then there's Joey Gallo, who is... He's not Nick Swisher. Believe me, I mean, no one's Nick Swisher, but he has an energy mm-hmm. um, when you talk to him that is just a little bouncy and very excitable. And, and so he was disc- discussing to me, yeah, of course he was emotional about leaving the Rangers, but he was going from you know a situation where he had never won to a situation where now he might get to win on the team. He, of course, Anthony Rizzo talked about being a Yankees fan too. You talk to Joey Gallo, and again, this is a personality thing. He talks about being a diehard Yankees fan. He talks about being, you know, idolizing Derek Cheater. His first game with the Yankees was in Miami, and he's saying, oh, my God, I've never met Derek Cheater. Maybe I'll get to meet him on the field. In my, you know, that's the kind of difference of their personalities and the silly things. I, I, I tried to convey this in the story, but it is a family magazine. Yeah, he's talking about how playing the outfield next to Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, and those guys are too bleeping big, and it makes him uncomfortable. He doesn't like being around guys who are that big. You know, this is he, a guy who's six foot five. Yeah, he, he, he's used to being the big guy. He shouldn't have to look look up and talk to anybody. Like It's ridiculous, stuff like that. He's talking about going into the hotel room, putting on ESPN, and seeing Yankees highlights, and his first response being like, oh, you know, the Yankees again, then being like, oh, wait a minute, I play for the Yankees. This is great. Yeah, we won. <laughs> It's almost like when you're not playing for the Yankees or you're not a Yankees fan, you're always like rooting against the Yankees, I guess, you know what I mean? That's just like, that's just how it goes. And um, So now it's kind of cool to like, even I see like the Yankees on ESPN or something, and I'm like, um, and I'm like oh yeah, like I'm on that team now, like sick, like, you know, yeah, the Yankees are winning, like we're doing good, you know, like you almost forget, you know, just because you're just it's ingrained in your memory for so long. This stuff was happening over and over again, and it, it was just fun. And again, I, I, you could really see who they were, I felt, in those 20-minute conversations. Oh, it, it's awesome. And, you know, they are such great additions. I mean, the, the energy that Gallo brings, obviously the bats. I mean, you know, we needed some left-handed bats. That both of them bring that to the lineup. And then just the defense. I mean, both guys are, like, outstanding defensively. So I just feel like it's... Both guys are such a perfect fit on this team, and uh, I'm really excited to see how much they can contribute uh, down the stretch here this season. Well, you mentioned the energy. That was very obvious. When they first came over, that wasn't part of that 13-game winning streak. that, that They were there a little before that. But what you were seeing in the games they were winning was there were comeback wins. There were late wins. There were wins where, you know, again, it's so easy to get caught up in this narrative of who the Yankees were in April and May versus who they are now when really they're mostly the same people. But there was an, you could absolutely see that there was an energy in the stands and there was an energy in the dugout. It really seemed as they were pushing through in these ninth inning comebacks and, and, and you know, doing it. And then, of course, Anthony Rizzo comes in that first weekend in Miami. I mean, everything he touched, it seemed like it hit, you know, the back wall of Lone Depot Park or whatever we're calling it now, which is a fine way to make your introduction. Mm-hmm. Gallo, it took him a little longer. And that was another interesting thing about him is that he was when he was talking to me, he was saying, like, look, I know who I am and I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not. And here's what you're going to see. And what he described is just who he is. He's going to make contact and knock the ball like crazy, but he's also going to strike out a lot, but he's going to walk a ton and he's going to play great defense. And that's what we've seen over and over and over. For me, it's like learning myself, knowing, okay, I'm not going to hit for a high average, but 
if I walk a lot, that might balance out the fact I don't hit for a high average. If I hit for power, that might balance out the fact I don't hit for 100. So it's just, I think, just knowing what I can do and, and knowing you know, the type of player that I am. But yes, that energy, the just sense that the Yankees like can put this together and figure this out. As we do, the Yankees are on a three-game losing streak, obviously. But the last two games, Sunday night and Monday night, they mounted pretty good comebacks in the last inning there. They didn't win, but you're still seeing this never-die attitude. And I have no doubt that a lot of that is because guys like Judge and guys like Stanton, the pitchers are having to work so much harder right now because this lineup is just so deep and it's so balanced. I remember that first game they played at Yankee Stadium. I'm pretty sure that the lineup went... RL, 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 RRL. And this is a team that had basically been going RRRRRRRL. Right. Um, and it's a little weird, maybe, because the Yankees spent so long saying that line of balance doesn't really matter, but obviously it does. I mean, I think we're seeing, and especially it does at Yankee Stadium, but the Yankees were winning before those guys got here. But there's absolutely something that they have brought that I believe has sustained that excellent month of August. And, yeah. I, and I think that it's just been fun to watch and it's been fun to imagine what it could look like in the postseason yeah well john you you always do a uh, an excellent job of you know kind of taking a, a bird's eye view of the team and uh, you know like we started off saying about this story when the story of the the final story of the 2021 yankees is written uh you know i think we're going to look back at, at the trade deadline and it's going to be an important part of this year's team's story and i, I think you captured that really really great Hey, I appreciate that. And and I think that we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, obviously, there were other guys who came over and there were other guys we said goodbye to and Holmes and Rodriguez and Heaney. The, these are guys who've played big roles. I mean, especially with Britain's injury, you know, those relievers are going to play a huge role moving forward. And it's a big job putting together a major league baseball team. And there's a lot of things you don't expect. And there's a lot of things that, you know, you create a lot of redundancies. But sometimes, again, you just kind of go out there and you figure out what the market is and you got to, you know, give uh, Cashman credit for what he was able to do here, but I hope this is the, or I know I should say this is the first of many interesting September stories we're going to get to talk about here on the Yankees Magazine podcast. And uh, two weeks from now, we'll obviously have some other things happening around here. Maybe the Yankees will be on a 13 game win streak then, but we'll certainly have Derek Jeter in the Hall of Fame and other things happening like that. So in the meantime, uh, Nate, great talking to you as always. Likewise. And to all of our listeners, obviously, if you are of the Jewish faith, uh, I wish you a very happy new year. If you are not, I just wish you a very happy, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Um, but we, of course, hope that you will continue listening to the Yankees Magazine podcast. If you're not already subscribed, kind of can't figure out what you're waiting for, but I assume that you're about to remedy that. Uh, so go to any podcast app of your choice or yankees.com slash podcast and subscribe. You should also follow us on Twitter, of course, at Yanks Magazine. We'll keep you updated on everything we're working on. We'll give you some fun inside looks at our stories, some great photos, everything like that. So make sure you follow us there. Our long-form content goes on yankees.com slash magazine, so you can read our story about Jordan Montgomery and, of course, our story about Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo will be up very soon. And lastly, anything you want to know, anything you want to talk about, anything you want us to do, just send us an email at podcast at yankees.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, and go Yanks. Hi, this is Tyler Wade. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.